If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3. How many brought your Bibles? Or some form thereof? Good, good, good. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Notice what it says. Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. Why? Why are you writing to him? What are you wanting to tell him? What's the purpose of your letter? So that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the house of God. And isn't that amazing? Paul told Timothy there is a standard for people to live. There's a standard for people to live. They must conduct themselves in the household of God. Well, what's the household of God? Notice then, this is the church. The church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I want to conclude my series of lessons on um, my church, a priority in my life. I want to con- conclude this series on my church, a priority in my life. Notice I didn't say the priority in my life because we have multitude of priorities in our life. But the church, our church, my church, your church, everyone's church who believes in Christ, their church ought to be a priority in their life. Over the last few weeks, I've tried to paint a picture for you of the importance of making church and our involvement in our local church a priority. Each week I've shared with you the statistics. I've shared them and I'll I'll share some more with you. The statistics that reveal that church attendance in the United States is decreasing. Over the last 20 years, over the last 20 years, church attendance has decreased in the United States. Here's what we've learned. In recent years, the share of American adults who do not affiliate, who do not, do not affiliate with a religious group has risen dramatically. Notice what he says. People who are not affiliated with any religious group have decreased. They're not, they, uh, they're Methodist, Baptist, they don't affiliate with anybody. And they used to be in church, but now they don't affiliate with anybody. That they, in recent years, the share of American ducks who do not affiliate with a religious group has risen. In other words, they are getting away from the church. In spite of this trend, the overwhelming majority of Americans, including a majority of religiously unaffiliated, those who describe themselves religiously, go back, go back, I wasn't finished, as atheists, agnostics, or nothing in particular, say they believe in God or a higher power, according to a new Pew Research in December of 2017. Listen to what he's saying. People still believe in God, they just don't believe in the church. They still believe in God, but they're disconnecting from the local church. Here's something else. Go to the next one now, bud. The vast majority of of Americans, 90% of Americans, believe in some kind of higher power. With 56% professing faith in God as described in the Bible. 
and another 33% saying they believe in another type of higher power or spiritual force. Listen to this. One in ten Americans say they don't believe in God or a higher power of any kind. So listen, listen to what the statistics are saying. What are people telling us? They're saying, we are hungry for God. We're searching for God. We need God, and we know something tells us on the inside, we know there's a God. We know there's a higher power. But we're not finding Him at church. We're not finding Him at church. So people are hungry, but there's a disconnect from the local church. These surveys simply tell us that the church is losing people. And the enticement to stay away from the local church is a powerful pull in today's culture. The reasons for inconsistent church attendance are often legitimate and they're understandable. Yet the outcome remains the same. If you don't hang around Christians, you'll be more influenced by the world than by God. See? Yeah, man. Well, I got to work on Sundays. I got to work on the weekends. I don't have time for church. I got It's the only time I hear this. Off. It's the only family day we have. So, and 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 all of those are legitimate. They're understandable. Everybody understands that. It's not nothing sinful in that. But the truth is, the more we are away from the the body of Christ, the more we're influenced by the world instead of by God. And now is not the time to be influenced by the world. My motive in these lessons has not been to discipline or fuss or preach at anyone. My sincere, heartfelt motive has been to give you ammunition to use as Christians. For me to use as Christians to remind me and to fight against this temptation to stay away from church. To fight against this temptation to stay away from church. Uh, the Billy Graham Association recently put out a survey, uh, the results of a survey that they did, of Christians who, have, who used to attend church but now no longer attend. And, uh, you know, Billy Graham's uh, Evangelistic Association wanted to find out why Christians are leaving church. And, he, and they discovered 12 things. Their survey listed 12 reasons why Christians have stopped coming to church, who were once coming to church. We're not talking about sinners out here who know nothing about church. We're talking about Christians who once were Christians, but they're now no longer coming to church. And here's what this Billy Graham's Evangelistic Association survey discovered. Number one, the number one of the number one reason, relationship conflicts. Somebody got mad at somebody else, and one or both of them decided to find another church. We, ha- we see this happen all the time. I just cringe every time couples come to me, and their marriage has already gone nuclear. They normally come to me when it's gone nuclear, and they want me to stop the aftermath of this thing blowing up. They come to me after it's come new, and when that happens, they come to me for my help. I know this thing's already blown up. I'm, I'm the EMT. I'm the first responder here. <laughs> and uh, I know I'm going to lose somebody. 
if this marriage doesn't stay together, I'm going to lose somebody. Because one of them, when they get a divorce or if they break up, one of them's not going to come back. I've tried everything. I said, well, listen, you come to the first service and he can come to the second service. Recently, I said, we even have a Saturday night. You come on Saturday night, and I'll make him come on Sunday morning, and you don't even have to be on the property the same day he's on the property. Then I've had these kind of things happen. Couples couples on the marriage brink of divorce, and I'll walk into that situation. They'll call me in, and I'll walk into that situation. The Spirit of God will show me, and I'll correct one of them. And, and, and they'll repent, and then they'll get back together, and then they're mad at me. And won't come back to church. I've had them stay together and not come back to church. Well, I'm scared people will find out what we did. I said, I'm not going to tell nobody. So, relationship conflicts. I've had people get mad at the youth pastor. I've had people get mad at the pastor. People get mad at the music team. People get mad at somebody in their small group, and we're not going back to church. The relationship conflicts. Somebody got mad at somebody else, and one or both of them decided to find another church. Number two. Now, that's not a problem here. Weak preaching. A congregation will put up with a lot of poor leadership, but many, especially young people, will not sit under poor preaching. You gotta, you gotta bring, you gotta bring it every time. And I, there's a couple of times that I've walked out of here on Sunday and I thought, if I was going to church here, I would find me another church if I had to listen to that every day. Number three, authoritative leadership. Some leaders do not permit opposing views, and they expect everyone to follow in line. In turn, some members simply don't stay under that leadership style. I can honestly say that's not our situation here, because I'm usually the last one to know what's going on. All right? So it doesn't have to be my way, because I usually don't know what's going on. Number four, poor children or students programming. People are leaving churches, and we understand this, because poor children are students programming. Even though it's not good, it's one thing for adults to have little opportunities for growth. It's another matter completely when our church provides little for our children and young people. That's why we support and will promote children and student ministries. We want to be known as the church where kids love to come to church. I had a family that attends a big church on the other side of town tell me recently, and their grandparent that family's grandparents come to this church, and the parents of these kids said to me, not the grandparent, the grandparents come here, the parents of the children go to a big church on the other side of town. The parents said to me, we refuse now to let our kids come with our grandparents to church. I said, why? He said, Every time they come over there to Family Worship Center, our kids, they don't want to go back to our church. Because y'all have so much going on for kids. And our kids love it so much. But if you have poor children or students programming, young families are not going to stay. They have to have their children taught the Word of God. Here's a number number five. Neglected pastoral care. People will leave a church, right or wrong. Some church members give their pastors only one shot at pastoral care. If the pastor somehow neglects a need, or let me put it this way, if a pastor forgets, members start looking elsewhere. 
We have 1,400 to 1,500 people that call Family Worship Center home. 14 to 1,500. You see how difficult it is for the pastor to be at every procedure? To visit every hospital? Sometimes we have people in five different hospitals at the same time. Four or five different nursing homes. Do you see how difficult it is for one man to do all of that? Just can't do it. That's why we have a staff of people. I've had people that have had their knees scoped or something get mad and leave the church because I sent the music pastor instead of me coming. I said, my God, how valuable is your knee? I said, if I'm showing up, you know the few undertakers next. You don't want to see me. They bring in the big boy for the serious cases. If one of these other guys show up, you just know everything's good. Everything's good. If I show up, It's last rites, baby, okay? I'm trying to pull you from the pit. I'm just kidding. I recently had a family leave because their son, who's a member of another church, um, had surgery, and his pastor was there, but I didn't show up. He went to another church, but I didn't show up, so they left. I, I can't fix those things. I just, I'm sorry, I can't fix those things. I'm not Holy Ghost. I'm short Eddie, all right? All right. Number six, personal sin. Sometimes it's easier to leave a church than to sit under preaching that convicts. Week after week after week. Which also means it's apparently easier to leave than to repent. Okay? Number seven, burnout. Members who are really faithful to a local church at times overcommit themselves. Based on the needs of the church. Some people just have a hard time telling people, No, I, I can't do that. I don't have time to do that. I'm involved in other things. Few people are willing to admit they're just worn out, so they just simply leave. They just can't keep up. And instead of feeling guilty, they will just leave. Number eight, not connected. Lonely church members, regardless of whether they're lonely because the church is unfriendly or because they choose not to get involved, don't usually commit for a long haul in a church. Now, we work on this all the time as a staff. We work on this with our leadership team. You know, it's easy as a church family to kind of get with your group and get in your routine, to sit in your same place and greet your same people and your same few. And, our, and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is here also for the harvest. So when people come in, they're, looking for a, they're spiritually hungry and they're looking for a, a people to connect with and a place to connect. They might be at different levels of where they want to get in, but they're, they're here because they're hungry for something. And it's important that we reach out and love people and not just have our few four and no more and get connected with those groups and pay no attention to nobody else. People are looking for connection. Number uh, nine, congregational strife. People just, even if you're not in the middle of the battle, constant conflict wears, e even out, wears out even the best church members. Listen, people don't want to come to church for drama. They live in drama at home. They have drama at work. 
Their families live in the midst of drama. Their in-laws, their outlaws, their ex-laws, their stepchildren. It's drama all around. The last place they want to do is come to church and get involved or hear about church drama. They come to church for it to be a safe place where they can grow spiritually. And you can't do that in the midst of a bunch of drama. So we just don't do drama here. We just, we, it, we, we, we're against drama. All right? We're against drama. So if you have drama, find you a good Baptist church. They do drama real good. And, and, but we are against drama. All right? All right? Number 10, theological disagreements. Sometimes this is a difference over actual theological beliefs, or sometimes it's moral right and wrong. We've, we've had some families leave our church over the last couple of years because uh, they, they heard that we were, uh, uh, didn't believe, we believe that homosexuality is a sin. So they've left our church over that, and it's uh, a difference in moral right and wrong. Uh, here's one that's real hot nowadays uh, that every pastor is dealing with, political positions. Granted, this reason is often more apparent during campaign season, but it happens. And we're in the middle of that. We're in the middle of that. And I'm, I, I, I just had someone recently leave, and they said, well, we're leaving. I said, why are you leaving? They said, well, we're leaving because you don't come out and tell the people they need to support Donald Trump. I said, well, let me tell you something. That's their personal. I tell you what, I spend my time up here telling you who to support. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right? You know, it, honestly, if you want to hear politics, you can turn on any TV. You can go on any social media. You don't come to the house of God to hear somebody spend their time telling you how to vote or who to vote for or who they're against, I'm here to represent and to proclaim to you the name which is above every name, the person who's never sinned, committed adultery, never lied, never cheated, never filed bankrupt, never did anything, never went for abortion, never did anything. I'm for the person, his name is Jesus Christ, and I have nothing to be ashamed of. His past has nothing to be ashamed of. That's who we promote here from this platform. Who you vote for and how you view politically, we can talk about that privately and personally. I love to those hear people's conversations and their thoughts on that. It makes no... I'm here, we're here to proclaim Jesus Christ. All right? So if you voted for Donald Trump, wonderful. If you voted for... Uh, if you like uh, President Obama, wonderful. Now, if you voted for... Hillary Clinton, we got a problem. But other than that, other than that, other than that, we're okay, all right? Number 12, perceived irrelevance. Members who think the preaching and teaching do not speak to the reality of their day-to-day lives will often seek teaching elsewhere. So 12 reasons the Billy Graham Association says people are leaving church. And the last one's a very, a very uh, important one, a very appropriate one. The truth of the matter is most families don't really care if the church believes in pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. They don't care 
because they are living in the tribulation in their home. They just want somebody to tell them how to get out of the tribulation they're dealing with with their teenagers. Okay? So a lot of theological stuff that we learned in seminary doesn't have anything to do with where people are living today. And some church people are leaving because that's all they're getting is that kind of teaching. So that's what Billy Graham Association says, and a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me. So I've tried to give you ammunition help so that when the temptation comes to you or somebody says to you, why do you go to church anyway? Or why should I go to church? I've tried to give you some ammunition that you can use to fight the stay away from church temptation. And the first one I gave you is this, the local church is of great value to God. Why do I go to church? Because it's of great value to God. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18? I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus himself declares that the church is his. He's the owner, the CEO, and the founder. The church is the personal possession of God. And when we neglect church or reject church, we are declaring that which God deems valuable is not valuable to me. The second thing I taught you was this. Worship attendance should be a priority in my life because Jesus paid the ultimate price to enable me to worship. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18 and 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. Jesus gave his life for the church. He gave his life. He sacrificed his very being in order that I could worship him. So when I neglect or reject the church, we are saying his sacrificial death was really in vain. Number three, I taught you this. I regularly attend church because the Lord told us to go to church. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us neglect, not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. What, what grieves me is I see people who loved Jesus and was very involved in their church, passionate about the mission of the church and the vision of the church, and they get so distracted in other things, then after a few months, they're just out completely. And this scripture says, my job, your job, is to encourage people to stay in here, especially as the day gets closer to the coming of the Lord. As the days get more evil and more dark, this is the time we need to be about the family of God, not allowing them and that spirit to pull us away from the house of God. All right? Number five, or number four, I regularly attend church because I need other Christians. I need you. I need you. If you want to know what people believe, listen to what their friends say. Our thoughts and our attitudes are formed and shaped by the people we intentionally spend time with. I'm not talking about people you have to work with. I'm not talking about family members you have to see. 
I'm talking about people in your discretionary time that you intentionally spend time with. Our attitudes and our actions, our opinions of life, are shaped by the people we actually spend time with, that we intentionally spend time with. And if we intentionally spend time with ungodly people and never get around the church, the body of Christ and Christian, our attitudes and motives and opinions are going to be shaped by those people. You just can't help it. That's just the way it is. That's why I need you. Listen to Psalm chapter 1. Look at Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalm chapter 1, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the one who does not, does not, does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. Notice, notice chap, verse 1 again. Notice, blessed is the one who does not walk or stand or sit. Notice these are intentional actions of hanging around people that are ungodly. Intentional. Not having to work with them or not family. I'm talking about in your free time. This is what you intentionally do. These are the people you hang around. Notice the Bible says you'll be blessed if you don't do that. But having your influence be the Word of God or other Christian people. So I need you. Look at Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 12, or Hebrews chapter 10 again. Notice what it says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. We just read it uh, a moment ago. Let us hold tightly. Notice what it says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good love, of acts of love and good works. Verse 25, and let us not neglect the meeting, neglect our meeting together as some people do. Notice he said, notice what he's notice why he said that. He says, our meeting together and motivating people to walk out the Christian life go together. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Our meeting together and walking out the Christian life go hand in hand. We encourage one another. And then here's my favorite one. Look at the epistle of John. 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. But if we're living in the light, how many of you are living in the light? Raise your hand. If we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have what? With who? Each other. Notice, it's just a byproduct. It's the result of. It's the evidence of a child of God who is passionate about Jesus to want to hang out with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Notice, he says, if we're living in the light as God's in the light, then we have fellowship. Notice, he didn't say we have fellowship with God in this verse. He said we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. People say it all the time, I love Jesus, I hate people. Well, that's, that's just impossible. You can't do that. You can love Jesus and be frustrated with people. You can love Jesus and be mad at people. You can, you can love Jesus and get tired of people. But if you really love Jesus, you're going to love people. 
If we're walking in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And notice this. Notice, notice this. This is crazy. Notice he says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, we know we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior when we accepted him. We were cleansed from all sin. But notice there's something about a continual cleansing that takes place as we walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, part of that cleansing comes as we rub shoulders with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Well, I can see that fired you up. All right. Let me, let's jump to number six. Let's jump to number six. I'll close with this one. I, uh, I want to encourage you to be in church, to make church a priority. Notice I didn't say the priority. I said a priority. Make church a priority in your life because regularly being regularly involved in a local church provides accountability and keeps me protected by spiritual authority. Now, I know this spiritual authority thing has gotten off the rails several years ago, and a lot of abuses took place. But you've got to remember, God gave spiritual authority to progress and protect the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know it as well as I do. Anytime a group assembles... A group of people want to do something. If somebody's not in charge, that thing will go haywire real quick. Somebody's got to set direction. Somebody's got to set order. Somebody's got to set the standards. Somebody's got to say, here's the way we're going. And we all follow that. Spiritual authority has been placed in the body of Christ for our protection. Notice what it says. I want to give you a couple of verses. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7. Remember your leaders. Paul's talking to Christians. He says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Let me tell you something. Bible faith only works where there's accountability. Bible faith only works where there's accountability. I hear this all the time. Quite often I hear this. Well, you know, I prayed and that didn't happen. People from so-and-so got cancer and I prayed to God to heal them and, they, and that didn't happen. I begin to, I begin to research that. Why, why didn't the Lord touch them? Why didn't the Lord give a reprieve? Why didn't the healing anoint? Come find out those people are not involved in church anywhere. They're not going to church. A lot of people that were in church, now out of church, when tragedy or crises hit, they run back to church and want God to do a quick work. That's the way it works. But Bible faith, Bible faith only works under accountability. Now this, this might, you probably might not have ever heard this before. But Bible faith only works under accountability. Let me prove it to you from the Scripture. Can I prove it to you? Look at Matthew chapter 8. Turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Did you bring your Bible? God. Forgive him. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Look what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. 
Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, but the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under. Everybody say under. Notice he didn't say, I know this because I'm a man of authority. He said, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So much you can preach on that one verse right there. The truth of the matter is, his faith worked because he was a man under authority to someone who was bigger and more powerful than him. And he is saying, I know this sickness is under your authority. You just say the word and that sickness will leave because I am a man under authority and I say to people, go and they go. But I'm under authority, so when they tell me to go, I go. When they tell me to stop, I stop. In other words, it wasn't his position. It's what he understood about authority. And Jesus said, because you've got this revelation, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. Bible faith only works under accountability. Under accountability. Now, you've got to understand there's boundaries to all of that. And several years ago, this authority and people were say, having to go ask their pastor if they could get married. and that People get in the ditch on all that stuff. you got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You know if he's right or wrong. If he's ugly, he's wrong. If he don't have a job, I can tell you he's wrong. I can tell you the Holy Ghost, if he ain't working, the Holy Ghost is saying no. All right? Got to have a job. Got to look halfway decent. Have most of his teeth. Then he's... Let him go to round two. Okay? He can go in the review to round two. I want to encourage you. Every one of you are busy. Every one of you are looking, trying to get through life, trying to pay your bills, trying to navigate this busy, hectic world. Every one of you are doing that. My wife and I are doing it. And it's easy. It's easy to allow other things to distract us and become priority in our life. It's easy to lose focus. It's easy to allow other things to substitute our time because other things need our time. But let me encourage you as Christians because Jesus died for you so you and I can worship. It's His church. And He's asked us, He's invited us and made us a part of His church. He told us to. So it's not a suggestion to go to church. It's a command to go to church. And then I shared with you last week that Jesus went to church. And the apostles went to church. 
That was their customary thing to do. And then I need you. And you need me. I need you and you need me. We need one another. There's some weeks, I'm going to tell you, there's some weeks when I come in here and Bubba smiles and says to me, Pastor, how you doing? And just hearing him call, hearing him call me pastor, know that he loves me. It, it, it just strengthens me. It strengthens me. I need you and you need me. And then we need accountability. We need spiritual authority over our life to make sure that my, our faith is working in times of need. Oh yeah, there's a thousand reasons why you don't need to come. Uh, and all of them are legitimate. and Most of them are right on. So it's really this. It's whatever's a priority in your life. Whatever's a priority. You choose. It's really not the preacher's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not the job's fault. It's not. It's just whatever's a priority in your life. Let's just get down this. Whatever is a priority in my life. The things I value the most are the things that I will do. I encourage you. I plead with you. I implore you. I beg you to make church a priority in your life. Stand with me, would you?